the more he knew Jesus, the more he could become what Jesus had named him. Guys, what, what do you really want? What's the desire of your heart? Jesus is God in flesh. The Lamb of God. He's the one. To have you all with us today, and uh, today we are starting a new series called The Jesus Way. A few weeks ago, actually it was the first week of the semester, we were talking about our theme of life in the in-between, and the first week was whole gospel, and we talked about that all of scripture is pointing to Jesus. But there are four books that point specifically to Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And not to exhaust our bull of fruit mentality if you were here a couple weeks ago, but uh, that's kind of the way it is when we look at the Gospels. Um, it's the Word of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but each of those Gospels were written to, to a different audience uh, with a different voice. And so they highlight different things about the life and the work of Jesus. And so to really get the whole scope of the life of Jesus, uh, we need to look at all of the Gospels, right? So here's a challenge, just uh, kind of a, a request of each of us. Can we commit to some time over this semester to read through one of the Gospels or all of them just to look at the whole life of Jesus, John said, even that comes short. I mean, he said, if, if all, of the, all the books in the world can't contain everything Jesus began to do and teach and live, right? But this is a painting. This is a picture of Jesus. And so for the next 10 to 11 weeks, that's all we have left, we want to deep dive into some of those snapshots, some of those pictures of Jesus, some of those uh, encounters that people had with him. We want to see what he's doing and how he's talking. And we want to let these stories break through the wall of our own familiarity. Those of you, especially who have grown up around church and around these stories and have been in the gospel, to break through that familiarity, to let the Holy Spirit speak to us in a fresh way. So uh, I'm excited about this series. Um, today we're going to look at the calling of the first disciples and the invitation to come and see from the first chapter of John's gospel. What I want to do is read it twice. So the first time I'm going to read to you and just let you uh, kind of close your eyes and imagine yourself in the story, if that's cool. And then the second time uh, we'll just we'll read it together. Um, I'll put a text copy of the text on your seat. And so we want to look the second time at what are the words that highlight, that are highlighted for us? So what, what are the threads? What, what is God speaking to you today in this passage? All right. To catch us up, because we're going to jump in at verse 35 of John 1. So John starts in a very different way than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew starts his gospel with a genealogy of Jesus. 
Mark starts his gospel with the launch of the ministry, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Luke starts his gospel with the birth of Jesus. But John goes all the way back to creation. He says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. And everything that was created was created through Jesus. Nothing was created apart from him. He said, this word, this life came and was the light of humanity. And then he tells us about John the Baptist, this really eccentric uh, preacher across the Jordan who people were coming out to in droves. And John the Baptist was, uh, he was peculiar. He wore clothes made out of camel hair and he ate locusts. And it doesn't sound very appetizing to me, but maybe. Uh, But his, his message was really consistent. It was repent because the kingdom of heaven is about to burst in on you. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. So that's the the backdrop to when we get to verse 35. So just close your eyes and picture yourself in this place and let's let the Spirit talk to you today. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples there across the Jordan River. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, it's the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where where are you staying? Come and, and you will see, he said. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, hey, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him, Simon, to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael then and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And when Nathanael declared, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Let me tell you, you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Cool story, right? Okay, open your eyes. Look at your text. 
Let's read it together. What are the words? What are the phrases? What are the threads? What's God highlighting for you today? Verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. This is the very first week of Jesus' ministry. Andrew and we assume John had been disciples of John the Baptist. They were apprentices. They were uh, understudies of John the Baptist. They'd been following John the Baptist, listening to him. And when they see Jesus, John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. And it wasn't, you know, some sort of practical joke. Look! And then he, he like steals their fish sandwich or something like that. It was like, no, this is what I've been talking about. He's the one I've been talking about. In fact, everything about the ministry of John the Baptist was leading up to this moment. The Lamb of God. He's the one. This is the launch of the kingdom. And immediately, Andrew and John then leave John the Baptist and go and follow Jesus. It wasn't that they were jumping on the train of the, the latest religious fad. It was that they knew that Jesus was the Messiah because John the Baptist had prepared the way. Verse 38, turning around then, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Jesus' first words to these guys were, what do you want? And it wasn't hateful, like, what do you want? You know, can't you see I'm walking? It was invitational. And there, I think there were two layers. It's like, what do you want? What are, what's on your mind? But also, this probing the heart. Guys, what, what do you really want? What's the desire of your heart? And the best answer they could come up with in that moment was, where are you staying? He said, come and see. And that invitation, come and see, was an invitation not just to see the borrowed place this homeless man was staying, but to come on this journey of discipleship. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Uh, two guys here, two fishermen, two brothers, Andrew and Simon. The first thing Andrew does when he meets Jesus is he goes and he finds his brother. In fact, two other times in the Gospel of John, Andrew shows up in the, in the text, and each time he is bringing somebody to Jesus. What a cool description. What would be, wouldn't that be cool if that's how people described us? Oh, yeah. 
They just keep bringing people to Jesus. The other person was Cephas. He was, he was Peter. He was, at this point, just Simon. And it says, Jesus looked at Simon. My mind immediately went to three years later in Luke 22. It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. The same word, the same words, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. The first time it's on the beach, the second time is three years later in a courtyard as Jesus is arrested. And when you merge those two things together, what happens next in this passage is remarkable because Jesus said, your name's Simon. I'm I'm giving you a new name. It's Peter, which means rock, which means steady, which means steadfast, which was not Simon. (laughs) It was the antithesis of Simon until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. You see, Jesus named Simon Peter because he knew what he was going to become as a result of walking with Jesus. God is naming you. And he has plans and he has purposes and he has this journey that he's calling you to come follow as well. But the name that he is naming you only comes to its full fruition when we are in proximity to Jesus. You see, our identity as Jesus followers are attached, our identity is attached directly to his identity. You are Simon, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call you Rock. I'm gonna call you Rock. The more he knew Jesus, the more he could become what Jesus had named him. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, hey, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, who the whole Old Testament is about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth! Are you kidding me? Can anything good come from there? Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. All right, Jesus calls Andrew. Andrew finds Simon. Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel. Keep that in mind. He says, we have found the one that the whole Old Testament is about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel heard this. All he heard was blah, 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 Nazareth, blah, blah, blah. He got really hung up on the fact that this so-called Messiah was from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
The town of Nazareth, where Jesus was from, was like on the outskirts of Galilee. And it was in an area where a lot of Gentiles lived and a lot of pagan idolatry. So if you were a, a true Jew, a true Israelite, you couldn't stand people from Nazareth. You looked down on people from Nazareth. It was like Samaria is here, Nazareth is here, right? So Nathaniel is, is dissing Jesus' family, his town, his neighbors. He said, nothing good can come from a polluted place like Nazareth. Nathaniel's words imply that Jesus was not a true son of Israel. And here's what's cool. Philip doesn't argue with him. He's not like, dude, don't say that. You're talking about Messiah. He just says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Jesus is the exception to the rule. And when Nathaniel approaches Jesus, he must have felt like when someone goes to the bathroom and doesn't realize that their microphone is on, or you're on a Zoom call with 30 people and you don't realize that it's live yet. And so you're talking about whatever, and then it's really embarrassing, right? Not that that's ever happened to any of us. But you can use your imagination, right? It's kind of what happens to Nathaniel because somehow Jesus has heard what Nathaniel said about Nazareth. And Jesus' words to Nathaniel were, dude, why are you dissing my family? No, he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. There is a lot packed into that sentence and it goes all the way back to Genesis 32. Jacob is at the river Jabbok, and the next day he's going to meet up with his brother Esau, who is a lot larger and a lot hairier, and who also has, um, for 20 years, held a grudge against Jacob because Jacob stole his birthright. Jacob is worried, beyond anxious. And so that night he wrestles with God, and as he's wrestling with God, God gives him a limp, he, he hurts him in the hip, but he also gives him a new name. He says, no longer, <clears throat> Jacob, will your name be deceiver. Hmm. From now on, it will be Israel, which means one who contends or wrestles with God. Jesus completely overlooks Nathaniel's jab about Nazareth, and he gives him a huge compliment. He says, here is a wrestler with God who is an honest man, who is taking, he's a man of character. He's a man of wrestling. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Where did you get to know me? And Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Now here's something cool about a fig tree. In this whole time, you had rabbis, you had these Jewish teachers, and they would call apprentices, they would call disciples. Right? And it was, it was pretty common for a rabbi and his apprentice to study under a fig tree. 
That was like the favorite classroom. <clears throat> Most of the disciples were not disciples of rabbis. That would have happened much earlier in their career. They were kind of the outcast, right? So the fact that Jesus is calling fishermen or tax collectors to come and follow is a big deal. But with Nathaniel, the fact that he was under a fig tree probably meant that he was under the tutelage of a rabbi. And under the rabbi, he would have had daily prayers. And within those prayers would have been a prayer for the Messiah to come. Jesus sees Nathaniel under a fig tree, most likely praying, most likely praying specifically for a Messiah when Philip shows up and says, we found him. And as Jesus is explaining this, all the pieces are coming together. And Nathaniel's response is one of worship. And he says, he says, you are the son of God. You are the one. Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Let me tell you, you will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's another Jacob reference. In Genesis 28, Jacob is sleeping on a rock and he has a dream. And maybe you would have a dream if you slept on a rock. I don't know. But he has a dream and this dream is heaven and earth. And there is a ladder between heaven and earth, and angels are descending and ascending. And Jesus says, here, I am that ladder. I am the way. In John 14, he will say, I'm also the truth, and I'm the life. Jesus isn't just a way. Jesus is the way. And he's the way that we get to the Father, but he's also the way that the Father gets to us. It's a two-way road, a two-way ladder that is all about Jesus. Jesus is God in action. Jesus is God speaking. Jesus is God healing lepers. Jesus is God lifting the chin of a woman caught in adultery. Jesus is kids. Is, Jesus is, is God with kids hanging all over him. Jesus is God who heals blind Bartimaeus and brings Lazarus out of the tomb. Jesus is God who calls down judgment on the religious elite. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is the way. Eugene Peterson says, Jesus shows us the way. He is the way. But it's more than a road, it's more than a line on a map that we can use to find our way to eternal life. The way that is Jesus cannot be reduced to information or instruction. The way is a person whom we believe and follow. And as we reflect on that and as we reflect on this passage, I just wanna give us three questions, three two-part questions. So actually six questions, but humor me. Three questions off of this. 
And the first one has to do with our own story. Scripture is really clear that there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. Let's be really clear about that. But there are thousands of ways that people get to Jesus. And as we work our way through these gospel stories, we're going to see people encounter Jesus from all sorts of different ways. So think about your own story. Some of us got to Jesus through a friend, maybe the friend you're sitting next to right now, or through a family member, or through a, uh, some sort of a church group. Some of you came to Jesus just off the pages of scripture. But some of you also came to Jesus through a really traumatic or tragic event in your life through a, a period of darkness and depression. Some of you came to Jesus through worship or through uh, some form of artistic expression. Around the world, there are people coming into Jesus through dreams and visions. Thousands of ways that people get to Jesus. And so what about your own story? Who brought you? What brought you to Jesus? And for some of you, that is still in process. What is bringing you to Jesus? You haven't yet said yes to him fully, but yet you're here, and I'm curious about that. So can we take a couple of minutes just reflecting on your own story? What brought you to Jesus? what it's bringing you now. Second question, just to lead into that, I was reading about Cortez when he got to Mexico. He burned his ships he burned the boats. And the whole um, tragedy that is conquistadors aside, that image of burning boats so that there is no going back, I think that is interesting when we think about discipleship. That this call, this invite that Jesus gave to these disciples is the same invite that he gives to us. And it is personal and it is also costly. In Mark's gospel, he starts with the launch of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus, um, his first three imperatives, his first three commands were repent, believe, and come and follow. Repent, believe, and follow. Turn around, change directions from this trajectory where you are your own uh, your own protagonist and your own story to Jesus is my everything. Repent, believe, trust him in such a way that it reorders and reprioritizes every part of your life. And then follow. Follow is, is this um, all-encompassing 
way of Jesus, that we follow Jesus on the way, but we also pay attention to the way that he is on the way, all right? That passage also says that the disciples dropped their nets and followed. So here's the second question. What's it mean to burn your boats, to drop your nets? What represents the proverbial net in your hand that God is calling you to let go of in order to fully embrace Jesus today? Finally, there's this, this pattern. I know you saw it. Jesus calls Andrew, and Andrew goes, and he finds Simon. Jesus finds Philip, and Philip goes, and he finds Nathaniel. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to actually Uh, inviting people to Jesus. We get hung up on all of the stuff that we just don't know, right? It's like, I've got to have a plan for this, a plan of evangelism. Got to get my testimony just right. I've got to have some tools, and all of that stuff is great. But this is day one of discipleship. And all they did was they went and they found their friend and brought them to Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that freeing? It's like, I am all in. I don't even know what that looks like yet, but Jesus is is inviting me to come and follow, and I want you in on that. It's not just Jesus and me, it is Jesus and us. Part of the call to discipleship is personal. Jesus saw Nathaniel, and Jesus sees you today, mask and all. He knows you. He loves you. He is calling you, but he's also calling you into community. First John says, John's letter, he says, we, we proclaim all of this so that you can get in on this fellowship. The fellowship that we are experiencing with Jesus, we want you in on that. So everything that we have tasted and seen and heard, everything that we know about Jesus, we can't shut up about that. So it's not just burning, burning boats, but it is building bridges. So can we just take the last minute or two thinking about who in your life do you want in on this? Who in your life 
is God calling you to go and find and bring? Who in your life are you in a, in a strategic place to speak the grace and truth of Jesus into? Can you take a minute and just ask God, who is it that you want me to share from the page that I'm on?